everyone. Turn your Bibles. We're going to go ahead and open a prayer. This is on. Let's pray. Father in heaven. Thank you for this day, God, and thank you that we can worship you right now and get into the Word. Thank you for one another and the relationships that we have. Um, Father, forgive me for how often I take for granted what Jesus has done for me, who He is, how He saved my life, saved my family, both not just my marriage, but my extended family. Thank you, God, for uh, giving me uh, so much in Him. And I pray that I could uh, be more grateful and more soft-hearted and more in awe of who you are in Jesus. Thank you that we're focusing on Him all year long and in an extra way in the region. And I'm very excited to learn new things. And I pray that as we do this study today out of John 1, that our hearts would be softened. We would feel ourselves filled with faith. That we would go beyond going through the motions. And we would truly get closer to you from this time of worship right now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, turning your Bibles to John 1, if you're not there yet, the title of the lesson today is a second, it's called the second beginning. The second beginning. And, uh, you know, we love second chances. Especially if we're the one getting the second chance. Uh, in golf, they call it the mulligan. I guess real golfers don't take the mulligan. The do-over. Uh, you know, when you're playing a, a board game and it's kind of close or someone didn't, hey, I wasn't ready yet. Do-over, do-over. Especially if the, if the intensity's high. Uh, we love students. We love when we get our grade wiped. Not that any of our students would need grades wiped, but there are students out there that need a grade wiped out and a replacement with a better grade. I've done that a few times. Uh, you know, we love when um, we get to go again or start again. And Jesus is our second beginning. And to the extent that we lose the awe of that is to the extent of our weakness or strength with our walk with God. You know, when you think about it, here in Genesis chapter 1 on the screen, it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. A passage everyone's familiar with. And it says, now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. You know, what a picture that here is God creating the earth and there's darkness everywhere. And I understand he's talking about physical darkness, but what a picture of God creating the earth and His Spirit just hovering, wanting to go beyond the inanimate creation to creating people. And, you know, what a picture of God just hovering, waiting to fill something. You know, when you think about Jesus, Jesus is the second beginning. Because here, when you do a study out of John 1, and when you do a study about Jesus, it says here, in the beginning of John 1, which we'll read in just a minute, all 18 verses, we're going to study... 18 verses today. And in verse 5 of John 17, this is Jesus' prayer in the garden. And He says, Now, Father, glorify Me in Your presence with the glory I had with You before the world began. And so you see this picture that, and you see this in other places, that Jesus was right there during creation. You go, how did He do that? I have no idea. I just know the Bible talks about it in multiple places. I've been studying it out in my time with God. And it says here in his prayer, as he's getting ready to go to the cross, God, take me back. Glorify me again. 
just like it was in the beginning. I'm ready. I'm ready to go back to the eternal. I've done my time here. They have what they need. I'm ready. And so the Bible teaches us in many places that Jesus was right there with God in the beginning, creating the earth. You know, the book of Matthew was a gospel written to a Jewish audience. That's why you see the extensive references to the Old Testament. The extensive, the most extensive genealogy out of all four books. You see all the different uh, references to tradition and Jewish law. The book of Mark was written to a Roman audience. It's a very short book. There's not a lot of genealogy. It gets right into it, it moves fast, and it comes to a close. The book of Luke was written to more of a Gentile audience. And the book of John, which we're going to look at here today, was written to a universal audience. You know, John was the only apostle that wasn't uh, martyred in the traditional fashion. He was uh, beaten, bruised, and boiled, and all kinds of things, and then thrown on an island called Patmos to shut up. And while he was there, he wrote the book of John, and the book of Revelation, and then we have First, Second, and Third John. And it's kind of interesting if you go back with me and just imagine, here's John, an old man. It was written around 90 A.D. He's many, many years past the teenage stage when he was first walking with Jesus. And he's many, many years past his friends. All the other 11 apostles were long silenced. And it's here you see John coming to the stage right here of the Scriptures, and you can almost imagine him saying... You guys know about the genealogies. You've been reading about it for years. You guys know about the traditions. You know about Judaism. You, you know by now there's more here than what you were thinking at the beginning. Because it's many decades past. And, he, and you can almost sense him say, let's go a little deeper beyond all just the intricacies and facts and technicalities. Let's talk about the Son of God. In John chapter 1, in verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Or the Greek word there understood means overcome it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. For those that aren't aware, that's not John that this book is written by, the name John. This is John the Baptist he's talking about. There's John the Baptist who was a cousin of Jesus and prepared the way. He was beheaded. He he was born about six months before Jesus. And then there's John the Apostle, one of his twelve followers. They're talking about John the Baptist. There came a man who was sent from God. His name is John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, referring to Jesus, and though the world was made through him, The world did not recognize Him. He came to that which was His own, referring to the Jewish people, but His own did not receive Him. Remember when Jesus went to His hometown, He had some issues there? 
Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning Him, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after Me has surpassed Me because He was before Me. Jesus came after John the Baptist. John says, oh, don't get impressed with me. This guy's been around long before I was even born. He created the world. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, I've got a good handful. Verse 16. From the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, that's what they're calling Jesus right here, God, the one and only, has made Him known. What a powerful 18 verses. What an incredible Scripture. Let's look at some of the major themes on the screen here in this, these 18 verses. He talks about life over and over again. He talks about light over again. He talks about darkness several times. He talks about being a witness. He talks about the word true, the world, Son, Father, glory, truth, the Word, and grace. And many other major themes in the book of John and in this chapter. But what a rich beginning. You know, we're going to start a series next week called Enroll the Scroll. Talking about when Jesus began His ministry and He unrolled the passage out of Isaiah and He spoke about it. And He, and he says, You're, this is being fulfilled right now. And so we're going to preach about each part of that commission that God gave Him that He went and did. But today we're backing it up a little bit. We're talking about more who He is. Next week and in our series we're going to talk about what He did and what He calls us to do. But today we're talking more about who He is. And it is a challenge for anyone that's been a Christian for any period of time, to stay motivated by who He is. It's not that we don't we have a hard time intellectually believing it, but staying motivated by it is a challenge for all of us. You know, I want to talk about this second beginning. We're going to break down this passage. And we see this concept of the Logos. In the beginning was the Word, the Logos. The Word there in the Greek was a common term that the Greeks already used, which meant message, or speaking, or words. And so, like you see in the Scriptures many times, is the writer will take a common word that society already understood, and then use it in a spiritual context. And he's saying right at the beginning, that Jesus is the Logos of God. The proper way to say it is Logos. I'm just not used to saying it that way, but Jesus is the Logos of God. He's God speaking. He's God's message. Just looking at Him, listening to Him, Him not even talking to you, just watching Him, brings about tons of words. A powerful message. And you know, we're going to go back to the Greek. We're going to look at a lot of Greek today. All 18 verses. 
We're going to look at what every word looks like in the Greek. It's going to be a long sermon today. So there it is. There's all 18 verses in the Greek. You can't see it from here. Sorry, I tried to get it all on one page. But you know, a lot of people, that's how the Bible looks to them. I can't understand it. it even There's even a, a cliche in our society. It's all what? It's all Greek to me. Well, that is all Greek to me too. And I don't read Greek, but I do know that's... I, I got copied it out of the Greek translation. That's what it would have looked like if you read it. And there's all 18 verses in the Greek. I'm so thankful we don't have to know Greek to get the Logos. I'm so grateful we don't need to know Greek to share the Logos, to live the Logos, to have the truth, the Word, the message living in us. But there is the Greek. And you can tell people, yeah, I've seen it in the Greek. It's, just, it's, it's what it says right there in the Greek. But a second beginning. You know, Jesus offers all a second beginning. It's almost as if you see God in Jesus. Again, it's hard to fathom because we're physical beings. But you see God in Jesus creating the world together. And then hundreds of years passed, and they have this conversation and say, it's time. We're going to enter the physical. You ready? And that's this picture in John 1, verse 1 to 18. Jesus, John, referring back to Jesus, John the Apostle, saying he entered the physical realm. Something that was other world, something that we don't have words and terms for, came from the eternal and entered the physical. And it's amazing to think he was only here just for a little over three years in the sense of where the Logos spoke to us. But let's talk about a few observations here, starting in verse 3. You know, it says, in the beginning was the Word, actually in verse 1, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The Word with, right, or the Word was with, means a face-to-face. It's not just like having something with you. It means like a communion, a unity, a face-to-face relationship. And I'm so thankful that the guy I model and pattern my life after lived that way that he wants me to live. He was face-to-face with God. He was in total unity with God. He had a relationship with God. And he calls us to do the same today. But I love what he says in verse 3. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing has been made. Without Him nothing that has been, without Him nothing was made that has been made. You know, in Colossians 1 verse 17, you see a passage right here. It says, He is before all things. And in Him all things hold together. The Greek word there, holding together, is kind of like, it means joined together. Uh, For those that like carpentry, uh, I don't, but some of you do. It's the dovetail. It's a picture of something dovetailing two joints together. It's the strongest bond you can make in two corners of carpentry. The dovetail. Making something fit perfectly and seam together. That's this picture of what Jesus does for us. He holds everything together. He created family. And so when you follow Jesus, Jesus holds family together. If you see a family falling apart, you don't have to look very far to go, well, where's Jesus in this? Jesus invented marriage. We're making marriage all kind of weird now. He invented it. So guess what? He's the one that holds it together. I'm so thankful that in May, Michelle and I celebrate 20 years. Because I feel like it's God. It's totally God. 
My parents stayed married for almost 50. I praise God. I'm thankful. I'm, uh, I was blessed by that, even though it was highly dysfunctional. I was blessed by being with a, in a family where they stayed married, where most people don't stay married. And, uh, and yet, they didn't have a great marriage. They didn't share vulnerably. I'm so thankful. I've learned. I've had to learn, and I've had the privilege of learning marriage in the church. How would I know how to do it? Trial and error? Go figure. Yeah, you know, just kind of... I'm not going to do this because I'll fall down that hole. But just... I mean, could... Thank you, Steve. Like this? Okay. Like a... Like a baby. But I've had to learn marriage and I'm so thankful. Where would I have been? And the cool thing is, 20 years later, it's not like we're just passing a milestone of time. I feel more in love with Michelle than in the 80s when we first met and then in the 90s when we got married. I'm very thankful. It's totally God. It's totally God's Spirit. It's totally her healing, me healing, instruction. So many people. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a project. A lot of people have poured a lot of time into my issues and dysfunctions and attitudes and the way I see the world. Like, just help me. Haven't they helped you? I mean, a lot. Some of us need to be a little more grateful for the church. Versus nobody really helps me. And uh, Well, maybe not today, but what about the other ten years? Can we draw from some love in the past? Can we get to the present? You know, I mean, it's really held me. It's been held together by Jesus. You know, I'm so thankful for the teen ministry. I really, really am. I was thinking about it last night, and it just, it just brought like such joy to my heart. And I thought again my, to myself, where would I be today as a father with two teen girls? My middle child became a teenager yesterday, so now, I'm, now I've been bringing on the temples. If you look close. But in the next four years, it's just going to be, I'm going to be like a skunk. It's just going to go across the top. It's going to go across the top. But I'm so thankful because, you know, Danielle's had a really hard time at school lately feeling the alienation of being a Christian. And Danielle's very social. And um, she said, you know, so some people can sit in a lunch table or with a group of friends, and they don't have to say a word. They can just watch the conversation like tennis. And they're completely comfortable. Danielle likes to engage. She gets it from her mother. And uh, Michelle's a real talker. I mean, I, I just try to go along with it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She's amazing. And uh, she said, Dad, I felt so separate. Like, not, just so not into the conversation that what they're talking about makes me so uncomfortable. And then they look at me for reaction. Oh, Danielle, you wouldn't know anything about that. Danielle, what do you know about that? Danielle, have you ever done that? And she says, it's so bad, Dad, that I don't want to... I've been leaving lunch. I don't want to be at lunch. And if you know Danielle, she is like a social animal of several kinds. And so for her not to want to sit with a group of people and socialize, and she goes, gosh, Dad, I just feel so separate. And we're sitting at the dinner table, you know, a couple nights ago, and she's talking about it, and there's just tears coming down her face about just the reality of when you're a Christian and you're really living your faith, you do feel like, these are Bible words, foreigner. I don't know the culture here and I don't really understand what people are talking about. You do feel um, like a stranger. I don't really fit in. Is this, I don't, how should I? 
you do feel like an alien. Boy, everybody's kind of looking at me. And is it is it something? Not? That's what the Bible says happens. So if you're not feeling those things, there's a good chance you've blended into the world. And you may not partake in the conversation, but you're taking it in. And people think they're people think being around you, you're just like them. But I'm so thankful because she had a rough week with those different things, and yet somehow, some way, every day God encouraged her. One day, Valeria, one of the sisters here in the singles, heard me share about it at midweek, and she texted Danny this really encouraging text. And then another day, uh, you know, I texted her a couple different times, and then I mean, just different things like every day. And then Saturday, Friday night, the brothers on the west side had a sisters' encouragement night, and they surprised them. So the, the teen girls came on in, and they did like. Um, what do you call that? Uh, you know the thing with the cane? What, were they stomp? Step. Sorry. They did like sisters encouragement night. Sisters encouragement night. I mean, it was just awesome. She said, she said, Dad, I wish I could have brought my friends from school to see the brothers doing this. And I just, I felt as a father just so thankful. I mean, only Jesus... Can we hold things together in such a worldly place like South Bay? I mean, any city, but especially Los Angeles, especially the beach cities, especially everything's about what you look, fake it till you make it, pose, boast. Right? And I'm so thankful that I can hold it together because of God's church. This, this guy says, a famous Christian writer, Christianity has not been... Tr- has not been tried and found wanting. It's, found, it's been found difficult and not tried. I've told people before, as I'm sharing my faith with them over the years, and they argue with me, I'll say, okay, I'll stop. Now you tell me, should I follow you? What's your deal? What's your way of thinking life? I mean, you don't want to follow Jesus, and you think it's all malarkey? Should I then? Okay, what should I? Well, I didn't say I had the answer. See, most people, and I've said this other thing to people, I said, have you ever studied the Bible as an adult looking for answers? Well, well, no, 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 really. Like, when you buy a house, you like look at the fine print. You don't just go, interest rate, I don't care, whatever, it doesn't matter. I just like the front door, it's red. And uh, the car, yeah, interest rate, I don't really care. How many months? It doesn't matter. This thing's going to roll for so long, and I'll probably buy another one next year anyway. So it doesn't. No, we want the detail, because we don't want to get burned. How much more do we want the detail about our soul and our life? In Him, He's created everything. He knows how it goes together. And He holds it together. Let's, if you've not tried Christianity, try it. It's hard, but it's so worth it. What's the alternative? You know, He talks in this Second part about light and life. You see six verses talking about light and life. In Him, verse 4, was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. I love this line. But the darkness has not overcome it. You know, if you're being tempted today, excuse me, let me rephrase it. As you're being tempted today, and you're feeling wary. You ever get wary when you're tempted? I, I've felt times about my own sin. I really wish I didn't struggle with sin. But the, but the part behind it is not because I'm, I'm hurting God and I don't want to hurt God. That's there. But the reality is there's a laziness in me 
that goes, man, this is kind of exhausting to constantly be with myself, with my sinful nature. Man, I just really wish I didn't struggle with lust, pride, anger, impatience, greed, selfishness. Should I add yours in too? I just wish there was no struggle. Because when you're struggling, you get nicked and bruised and beaten up and down and up and here and there and down in yourself and lose your confidence and get it back. And It's a battle. It's wearisome. But it says that the darkness won't overcome this light. That is so encouraging to me. We need to take courage from that. That no matter what darkness we're battling, if we hold to Jesus... Even though the light's shining in the darkness, the darkness can't overcome it. There came a man, there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming to the world. This is interesting. I thought a lot about this. I listened to this section of scripture maybe 25 times on my iPod. And, um, And I just thought about it over and over again. You know, it says John was a witness to the light. When you think about it, John had not gotten the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, and later in John, it's good for me to leave the earth. No, 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 go, don't go, don't go. We want you right here. No, no, it's good for me to leave. Because right now I'm just here with you one-on-one. But if I leave and you're born again, my Spirit is going to fill every one of you and I'll be everywhere. And I thought about this, that where John says, hey, I'm not the light, I'm just witness testifying to the light. A true Christian, actually, it says in the Gospels, you are what? The light of the world. You are that city on a hill. You are, it doesn't say you will be or you're kind of, he says you are the light to the world. And so as true Christians that have been baptized, that have God's Spirit in us, He says, we are that light now. We don't just have to witness about it or testify about it. We get to be it. How bright are you shining? The Bible says it's not just the smile on your face, it's the deeds you do that shine. How bright are you shining? The people at work know your conviction. When a dirty joke is told, you say, hold it. What? I don't want to hear it. You always get that little neck thing. I had a guy once tell me, he goes, Marco, you want to hear it at work? You want to hear a joke? I go, is it dirty? He goes, yeah. I go, no. He's like, oh, come on. And I said, Tom, he's from Jersey. He had the accent. I said, Tom, I got enough stuff polluting my mind constantly. The last thing I need is for you to get my full attention and then put something else in there. So if you want to tell your dirty joke, let me just walk away, tell it to your buddies, and then I'll come back. I'll, you know, you know, just kind of the little noises. But how is your light? Are you letting it shine? It's not just this little kid's song. This little light of mine, don't you? I mean, seriously. I have certain neighbors. I've lived in my place for six years. I have certain neighbors that I've never seen smile once. You say, why? Well, what's going on inside? The eyes are a lamp. They're reflecting the soul. They're just, the scripture says, whatever you look at, that's what you fill up, and then that's what you reflect. 
We have such an amazing opportunity to be a light. It says, verse 9, that Jesus was a true light that gave light to every man and was coming into the world. You know, you see this picture of this guy behind me in darkness. How many people right now, right now, in South Bay that live above you, below you, around the corner from you, that you see at the grocery store, or you haven't, you don't know, you haven't even talked to, that are like this picture. They're in darkness. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, the God of this age, talking about Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the glory of Christ. They can't see the gospel. How many people right now are in darkness kind of trying to reach for something? We've got to tell them that Jesus offers a second beginning. And it's for everybody. See, my sin is I can forget that I've been rescued, that I'm in the light. My sin is sometimes I want to share, sometimes I don't. Can you relate with that? Sometimes I remember, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm in too big of a rush. But we know there's people that want this light and this life. You know, Danielle and I are trying to listen through to the Bible. Gina, Danny, and I listen to the Bible through a year. We're kind of behind. We're in Job, the beginning. But anyway, we're listening to the Bible and Job's friends come on the scene and we're talking about what his friends are talking about. I'm stopping it and explaining it and... And she says, you know, Dad, gosh, my friends. Danny says, Dad, my friends are just so lost. I, you know, I just wish they knew. I wish they knew how good it was. I mean, most of them never go to church. They've never been to church. They don't know. And it was so good to translate sadness into action, into compassion. And I said, Danny, that's what you've got to talk to them. You've got to reach out to them. And yesterday she was on Facebook with some of her friends. And one of her friends says, hey, once I stop being allowed to have parties at my house, all my friends have fled. And Danny texts, you know, instant message, whatever that thing's called back, message back on Facebook. Well, hey, I can come to your house as long as there's no party there. And then she said, and you can come to my church and hear my dad preach. He's really good. See, that sounds good. And then another friend, you know, who's done a lot of bad things. You know, saying, yeah, life stinks. Da, 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 da. And she's like, well, you can come to my church. It's really great. You know, I, I'm just thinking, guys, we have so much to offer people. And when we're offering this, our problems get small. We're always going to have problems. Just like you're always going to have to get your car fixed. It's never just going to always work. We're always going to have things to work on. But we've got to offer this life and light to all people. Jesus says here in this passage, or God says, For God who said, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, Let light shine out of darkness, made His light shine, where? In our hearts. Why? To give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory. How do we get the knowledge of God's glory? Displayed in the face of Christ. Isn't that incredible? As we gaze, as we stare at Jesus, we understand more about God. You go, I already know everything about Jesus. Really? Really? Everything? I'm determined this year, I'm, going to, I'm studying out my quiet times, Jesus, all year long. Just that topic. From a lot of different angles. I'm re- listening to the Gospels over Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, not all in the same day. But I mean, I'll go a few chapters the next day and then I'll start over. And just trying to absorb. God, I want to see all sides. I want to know more. I know this well, this ocean goes deep with no bottom. But as we focus on Christ, we realize His light, let light shine out of darkness. What's He referring to? The beginning. 
Let there be lights! That was the noise. And, uh, and now when Jesus came on the scene in the second beginning, He sang again as Jesus went from the supernatural, the eternal, and He ripped past the physical curtain. God sang again, let there be lights. For those that want it. The second beginning is there for all those who want it. And we've got to be those that offer it to others. It's incredible. When Jesus spoke again to the people in John 8, He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you're studying the Bible or visiting today, this is what we're about. We don't do it perfectly. We have weak people in the church. We've got some people in the church that aren't following Jesus. But that's between them and God. They're going to have to figure it out. We want to help. But overall, that's not the majority. Amen? You guys missed your cue. You were supposed to say it before when I said it's not the majority. The accused, I know, will stay quiet, but the rest of us should say, Amen! We really want to follow Jesus. No matter what season of life, kids in the home, out of the home, no kids, little kids, big kids, troubled kids, challenges, job, life, health, we want to follow Jesus. Because when we follow Him, things aren't dark. It's not easy, but they're not dark. And the Bible says we don't have to walk in darkness when we follow Him. You know, this whole idea of second beginning, a complete second birth. I mean, everybody loves a baby. Everybody. Now, after you've had your babies, you like holding them and then handing them back. Because with the baby comes all kinds of nice noises and sounds and all kinds of unique selflessness opportunities that never seem to go away. Remember the middle of the night issues? You get her. You get her. You get her. I got her last time. Come on! Sorry, honey, that wasn't me. I don't know who that was. You guys remember that? I've also convinced all empty nesters, I'm just going to tell you, I'm convinced and I'm going to go the same route. You forget what it's like to have kids in your home. And I will too. So when they're making noises and you're like, "Mm, my kids would never have made any of those noises. You forgot. You forgot. Don't judge me. Come on. Am I right? You know, we love... We love babies. Why? They're undefiled. They're just... They're the best of the human race. Really. You say they don't know anything. What are they contributing to the human race? They're an undefiled soul. No judgment. No racism. No anger. No no sin. Yet. My mom, I'll never forget, she had, you know, eight kids and seven in seven years. And you know me, so you can imagine it was challenging. And um, I remember her being so mad at me one day. Especially summertime. She hated summers. Because it was just like cacophony. People everywhere. All of us and all of our friends and cherry pits and cookies and, you know, doors slamming in and out and people everywhere. And Anyway, I remember her saying, you know, You kids! When you were young, you were amazing. Now, you're monsters. <laughs> She'll tell you, she said that. And it was true. She said, you were so cute, but now you're monsters. You know, I'm so excited in the singles ministry, God's giving us a revival of new creations. Really the strongest start to the year we've had ever. Last month, we saw five people get baptized and restored. This month, 
Probably another seven people are going to get baptized and restored. And what's so amazing about it is each one, it's a story. It's a new creation. It's a new life. It's somebody being born again. The old is gone. The new has come. Are you excited about baptisms? Are you excited about the possibility that the person you talk to could become a new creation? Do you know, as you study with people, you get reconverted yourself. You're reminded about your self-denial. You're reminded about what God's done for you. You're supposed to be. You're reminded about, well, I've got to push myself here. You're, I mean, it, 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 it reconverts your heart and mind. And there's something that awakens within you. The Bible says here in verse, four, or verse um, 11, or 10, He was in the world, and though the world was made through Him, the world did not recognize Him. Do you know there are people that will recognize Him? I did. You did. He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent. That's everybody in this room. Children not born nor of a human decision. That's everybody in this room. Or a husband's will, but born of God. That's not everybody in this room. And that's not most of the world. Most of the world will be born into the physical, stay in the physical, die in the physical, and be separated from God forever. Separated in this life, separated in the next life. It's a fact. And I think, though it's hard to carry that sadness, it is a burden, it's a sadness. I don't like sad things. It's a reality that should not be the only motivator, but it should motivate us some. That, wow, God's using me as the light to the world to help people be born again. New birth. So I can't because I've got my own burdens. You'll always have your own burdens. And I'm so thankful the people that studied me with me that had their own burdens and have kept me faithful, that have had their own burdens, put theirs aside and carried me along. Help me. You know, it's so cool to see a sister got up here just two weeks ago in front of 600 singles. Her name's Sarah Rivas. She was baptized on the west side and share her transformonial. And just how she had moved in with a guy, bought a house with a guy, wanted to get married. And she said, this in front of 600 people, she said, and then he said to me, we, you know, we, we're going to get engaged and there's just no sparkle. Well, why? You did it all wrong and backwards. No foundation of God. Moved in together first. Bought a place. What do you have to look forward to? The cat is out of the bag. Running everywhere. And what, what, what is... The wedding is now fake in a sense. And then she said, I want the love. And so she goes, we need to get away. We need to reawaken our love. And let's get away for a weekend. So they got away and they're talking. And she goes, I want the love that we had at the beginning. And he said, well, you're not going to get that. That's not here anymore. And she went, okay, something's wrong. And off went the relationship and got rid of the house and, and, and started crying out to God. God, that's what she told us. God, if you're out there, make it obvious, make this relationship work or not work. I need you. And then God worked through this whole series of things to where Sarah just got baptized two weeks ago. So powerful. We have a guy that just got baptized Wednesday night, Bernardo. Bernardo came into midweek, then felt uncomfortable before it started, said, I'm out of here. Went back to his car, then came back in, then left. You know, one time. And Bernardo's right now getting his master's as a psychologist at the School of Psychology in downtown L.A. And he says, you know, Mark, they're talking about how to solve all these problems. But I knew that though it was helpful, it was incomplete. 
And Bernardo just became a Christian this last Wednesday. Sarah's old boyfriend, Caesar, is set to get baptized today. This girl named Diana, who is very religious but never became a disciple, is planning on getting baptized on Valentine's Day uh, the 14th. And, and many others. But it's so encouraging what God's doing in this new creation. You know, what does he say in verse 14? That the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. You know, Jesus is God in plain view. Jesus is God in plain view. You know, right there is an eyeball that's out of focus. And that's how it is for most people. See, I can't see it. Well, I can't either. It's blurring. You can see the resemblance of an eyeball. But that's how most people, if you were to look through their eyes, that's how they see God. That's how they see the Word. That's how they see obeying God and putting their life into God. They can't really see it. It's kind of kind of fuzzy. It's unfocused. That's where we come in. We're the lens. That's why it's so powerful. We tell people, hey, why don't you read through the book of John? It's 21 chapters, which is about 20 pages. It might take you three hours total. And if you really want to go the distance, take some notes about what you learn about this guy, about why you'd want to become like him. You know, I studied the Bible with my buddy up here, Simon, yesterday. I said, Simon, I just was telling Jesus is so amazing. If I could become like 10% of Jesus in my lifetime, I'd be pumped. I love him. He's amazing. I mean, look at look what he's done. Look who he is. Look at the kind of man he is. That's how we need to feel about him. That's what we need to tell people. He is God in the flesh. You say, I already know that. Yeah, but are you telling people about it? Are you focusing on him yourself? How many scriptures tell us, fix your eyes on Jesus? How many scriptures tell us, think about him, look at him, remember him, set your mind on him, set your heart on him? I mean, verse after verse. Let's say he's the one that gives clarity. Focus. There's an issue, there's a situation. Just ask yourself, where's Jesus in this? Where's he? The captain is what it's called. The pioneer in this. You know, um, the TBT, or Henry and I go hiking and have discipling time every week. And we'd share with people along the way. And we've met some really interesting characters. I like mountain biking. And so I'd like to stop and ask the mountain bikers, how was it? Hey, what kind of, like your bike? And, you know, a little small talk. So we, we were out hiking and praying and talking the other day and we stopped this guy and we start talking about the trails and this and that. And I say, hey, um, I want to invite you to my church. <laughs> you know, I'm like, <laughs> what? You know, he's like, just, <laughs> you know, just uncomfortable, but, <laughs> and um, I say, you don't go to church? <laughs> no, I don't. I said, well, man, good thing we, you know, talking to you right here. And, no, <laughs> I don't do that. I worship the dirt gods. And I said, you know, he's talking about mountain biking, the dirt gods. And I said, well, you know, eventually you're going to be laying with the dirt gods um, a, lot, a lot sooner than you think. <laughs> Let's just say it didn't go anywhere. Um, I go, and then Henry goes, we've got a great singles ministry. <laughs> I'm dating. That's okay. We don't care. We're not judging. I mean, it's not like that. Oh, <laughs> and off he wrote. So there you go. God in plain view, but not to him. We have the opportunity to give people glasses, cataract surgery, and really ourselves too. You know, I'm so thankful to be able to have a second beginning personally. And just finally, this whole idea of being full of grace and truth. 
It says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. How many people err in your personality on the side of grace? Little, you're very gracious, but you run on a little bit the sentimental and soft side. Okay, come on, guys. Don't, why are you ashamed about that? It's, the perfect is both, and there's nobody but Jesus. Raise high! How many grace, gracious, grace-type people do we have in the room? They're still going. Is this, am I going to get trapped in the sermon? No, 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 no. How many are more just, more grace? Okay. Other hand, how many are more truth? Yeah, we've got a lot more truth, truth people in the room. I'm more truth. I have to work on being more gracious. Oh, I like when people are gracious with me. But I have a hard time sometimes being gracious. But I also like when people are truthful with me. It hurts, it's hard, it's kind of that moment of uncomfortability. But then I feel so protected, so loved, so thankful that you thought about me enough to tell me the truth. Like you thought an extra step. Now, I know a lot of you are thinking, well, i got some things to tell you. Just fine, but not all at the same time. I need some grace, too, with the truth. Appreciated Henry. You know, we're having deep time. And he goes, well, in a kind of a Henry kind of way, seems like you're a bit negative, kind of leaning towards a victim, but you're not yet. Need to be more creative in your problem solving with this situation like you do with everybody else. I appreciated that. I said, can you tell me again? Because I'm kind of tired and I really want to remember. Because I hadn't written it down. And then we talked the next day. But I appreciate it. It makes me feel loved. I need both. I need grace and I need truth. Jesus was the epitome of both. So thankful for Martin and Tina coming on over. and Really grateful for the Deondas and all the great work they did. And grateful now to have the Chireses. And they went to the TBT club at PB High. And it had been kind of lagging a little bit. As far as people coming out, unity, spiritual strength. and Nobody came that day on Friday. And Martin goes, Hey, um, why don't we go out and just go meet some people right now? Now, I wish I could have seen looks on their faces. But they obeyed. And they went out. And Danny said, Hey, free pizza! You want to come on in and hear about the Bible? Alright. You know, and uh, she texted me, Dad, I have the best news ever. And I'm like, what is it? She says, 17 people came out to TBTT. The most we ever had. Nobody came and Martin told us, get out there while he sat down and ate pizza. And uh, No, no, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. I was just kidding. And uh, we went out and Daddy, she said, she texted me, Dad, it was incredible. I just talked to people, people I knew and didn't know, and they just came. Now, some of them look kind of startled. And I don't know if they got any of it, but it's good, isn't it? Because I planted seeds. I'm going to do this every week. But I'm just so thankful for the grace and the truth. We need people to give us a spur. We need encouragement. Jesus was full of grace and truth. Let's just close right here with this verse. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is Himself God. Look at look what it says here. And is in closest relationship with the Father has made Him known. You know, Jesus did His part making God known. Let's do our part. And let's be in the closest relationship with Him with our Father through Him, and let's make Him known with the second beginning.